Well, good morning, wherever you are. Hope your couch is comfortable. Um, your recliner. That's the problem with uh, being at home to worship is that we get, uh, we don't have to wear a suit and tie. We don't have to wear much of uh, anything to get dressed up. We can stay in our robes and our pajamas and uh, have a cup of coffee in our hand. Uh, so we hope that you are comfortable where you're at, but you're also having the opportunity to worship uh, with us. Uh, the good thing is that God promises to be with us no matter what, no matter where we happen to be. So we can worship from our living rooms. Uh, we can worship here in the sanctuary, and we look forward to the day when we can gather again and uh, worship together. I'd like to uh, take a few moments, if you would let me, to uh, speak to the kids. We don't have what's in the box today. We're not gathered around here at the, at the, on the steps. Uh, that box is somewhere, probably holding something precious in it. And we look forward to the day that um, we can gather again, kids, and uh, see what's in the box. But I did uh, bring something with, with me. I don't know if you can see this, but uh, we all know what this is. This is a cell phone. Whoops, the light just went out on. There's a cell phone right there. And the good thing about cell phones is that we can call people no matter where they are, and no matter when it is, we can call them. I have a, a granddaughter who lives in Bolivia, South America, and it's numerous times during the, day, during the week that I can get a FaceTime with her. I can see her little shining cherub face uh, in the phone, and we can talk together, grandma and grandpa and granddaughter and our daughter uh, and son-in-law, and we can gather together, and we can see each other, and we can talk, and that's a good thing that these cell phones do for us. Uh, that allows us to call people and to talk to them. The one thing that this cell phone doesn't do for us, it doesn't allow us to call directly to heaven. We can't dial up God's number here, 777-7777, and get to talk to him uh, directly on our cell phone. But the good news is, boys and girls, is that we can talk to God no matter where we are through the gift that he has given us called prayer. And the Bible over and over and over again tells us that we can talk to him in, in prayer and that he hears us no matter where we are. If we're here at church, he hears us. If we're at our homes, he hears us. If we're at school or in the playground or at work, no matter where we happen to be, God hears us. I was reading this morning in John's letter and he says this about God. He says, we have this assurance, this confidence. This is something that we know for sure, boys and girls, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So I just want you to remember this one thing. Those cell phones are good, and we can talk to lots of people all around the world. We have something better than cell phones. We have the ability to talk to God through prayer. And that's what I'd like to do just for a moment is to pray and ask God to bless us as we look at his word. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are with us no matter where we're at. We thank you that we can pray and that you hear us no matter where we happen to be. And so now in the next few moments, Lord, we ask that you would open our hearts to your word, open our spirits that we would, that we would hear well today. Teach us from your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. There is a strong drive in each one of us to belong. Uh, the case in point is wanting to belong to 
a sports team. I remember as a young kid wanting to be involved in sports. Uh, when I was in elementary school, during our recess time and during our lunch time, we always put together uh, a little team. Maybe it's basketball, maybe it's baseball, maybe it's football. And I don't know about it at your schools, but we used to have a big line of kids. And then somebody would be chosen as the captain of each team. And they would go down the line and they would choose people to be on their team. Now, I don't want you to feel sorry for me or cry, but I very seldom got chosen to be on a team. I was kind of the last kid left, and, you know, one captain would say, do you want him? And I don't want him. Do you want him? No, I don't want him. And I would sit there and just watch the game take place. I so wanted to belong to that team. And all of us want to belong to something. We don't want to feel left out. We want to know that people are aware of us and people want to know us and people want to be, that we want to be accepted and uh, approved of. Well, in our passage this morning, we look at what it is to be left out and how God does not want to leave us out, but include us in the very thing that he is doing. We're in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. We are in the second chapter, and we're starting with verse 11 today. And if you have your Bible, I encourage you to open it or flip it open or push the button or whatever works for you. But let me read today from God's Word, starting in verse 11 of chapter 2 of Ephesians. Therefore, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you were once far off, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law and its commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to you who were near, for through him we both have access to one spirit to the Father. So then, you were no longer strangers and aliens, but you have our fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, and whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you were also being built together into the dwelling place for God by the Spirit." What does God have for us in his word today? You see, there was a, Paul is talking about a problem that existed between two groups of people. Both of them claimed to be Christians, but both were coming to Christ from different places. 
And one group thought that they had more right to Jesus, the Messiah, than the other group had. It was the Jews that turned to the Messiah, turned to Jesus, that thought they were able to claim more of Jesus, as it were, that they were special and they were unique and the Gentiles were to be left out. In fact, they would call each other names. They would say, you are the uncircumcised. We are the circumcised. We are marked by God. You are not marked by God. We are God's chosen people. You are not the chosen people. You are, well, if you could put it in these words, you, you are lucky to be here. Now, God's people were special. They were unique. God had made his promises with them. In fact, four times in the Old Testament, God reiterates a covenant, a promise with his people that started first in Noah and then was restated again to Abram. In Genesis chapter 12, we are recorded of this covenant. He says, the Lord said, Yahweh said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and, and him who dishonors you I will curse. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now hold on to those words. In you, God told Abram, in you, all the families of the world should be blessed. And the Jews held on to that. They said, see, God had promised that all the world would be blessed through us, not through you Gentiles, but through us, the Jews. Now, we can think for a moment that the Jews were something special, a special, unique people. They had something going for them. But we read in Deuteronomy 7 that God said, you were not much. In fact, you were the fewest you were the least. You did not have much going for you, but I chose you. Now, Paul tells the Gentiles, he's writing to the Gentiles in, in Ephesus, and he says, the Jews have said, you are less. You were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. That which Israel shared, you Gentiles are uh, strangers to. You are strangers to the covenants of God's promise. You have no hope and are without God in the world. But Paul wants Gentiles and Jews to see their common inclusion in the family of God the family of the redeemed. We read last week in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that it's by grace that we're saved through faith. And that not of ourselves, that is God's work. It is a gift from Him. Jews are saved by God's grace. Gentiles are saved by God's grace. We here who follow Jesus as part of Bethesda Church are saved by grace. 
The people in the world are saved by grace. The people in the churches around our community are saved by grace. It's not by anything that they do, anything that they have done, but it is all the work of God. And that being so, Paul tells the Gentiles in verse 13, but now in Christ, you who were far off, that is the Gentiles, have now brought near by the blood of Christ. Yes, you were once not God's chosen people, but now you are chosen. God has brought you near to himself through Christ. And it is about Christ. From verse 13 to verse 22, if we looked in the Greek text, it would have the words in Christ or by Christ 11 times. Paul wants us to see something over and over and over again. That we are included in what God is doing because of Jesus Christ. There is benefit for us as the body of Christ. Verse 14 tells us, He is our peace. He has made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. There was hostility between the Gentiles and the Jews. And sadly, even in the church today in America, there is hostility between one group of Christians and another group of Christians, between one church meeting place and another church that meets in a different place. And it ought not to be that way. There is one spirit, one body, one hope. And all that we have is because of Jesus. In fact, he came to make peace between all of us. Even though we may sing different songs and wear different clothes and our sanctuaries may look different from each other. Even though our prayers may sound different. Maybe in some churches we call each other brother and sister. And in others, we don't. But that does not mean that we are not saved, that we are not part of God's family. Verse 15 tells us that Jesus has abolished the law of commandments expressed in its ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. Now, what Paul is not saying here, he is not saying that Jesus did away with the commandments. What he's saying is that those things that separated Jews from the rest of society, those ordinances that told them not to touch this, not to eat this, not to associate with, those, with these people, God in Christ has done away with those things, has completed all of those things in Christ. And he's made a new person in the place of the two. In some sense, we say there are not Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. There are not American Christians and Christians of the Central African Republic. But we are one. In Christ. The walls that divided us have been brought, brought down. He has made peace that he might reconcile both to God 
that there would be one body. And Jesus has accomplished this work through the cross. Verse 17 tells us, he came and he preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who are near. He has brought us together to love God together, to serve God together, to be salt and light together. But you are fellow citizens, no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the holy ones, with the saints. And again, this isn't done on your own work. You are not the household of God because what you have built, but we've been built upon the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus is the cornerstone. He is, sometimes we talk about the cornerstone, some people have said it's the capstone on the top of the building. Some look at a cornerstone as where the little plaque was made. Just outside the, the church here, we have a little plaque that says when the building was built, when the church started. But when we talk about Jesus being the cornerstone, we talk about that first stone that was laid in a building by which all other stones are set. In the buildings like the temple in, in Jerusalem, some of those, that cornerstone weighs... Uh, three, four hundred tons. It is set there so nothing moves and the lines of the walls are set off based upon that cornerstone. And based upon that cornerstone, the rest of the building is built and built secure. You can go to Israel today and still see those walls in place. Walls that were built over 2,000 years ago are still in place. And the message for us today is the church is still in place because it is built upon Jesus, the eternal one. We can look at our world today. We can look right here at our nation and think that the church is in trouble. We look at the pandemic and what it's causing and brings us to four or five of us in the sanctuary today, and hopefully a lot more of you at home. And our hearts break that we cannot meet together in mass, sit shoulder to shoulder, give each other big hugs. We wonder if those days will return. The church looks like it's a hard place. We look at the civil unrest in our nation, People fighting against people. Black versus white. And we wonder if the church has anything to say. Will the church be strong? Will the church remain? Will our nation fall apart at the seams? We look at the political unrest and wonder if the church will have an opportunity to speak truth into our halls of government. It looks like the church is falling apart at the seams. It's looking like the church is being pushed back. The church that used to have a voice in America seems to have a, a quieter and quieter voice. But the scriptures tell us that the church is built upon Jesus, the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure is being joined together. 
and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. But notice what he says in verse 22. In Christ, you were also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Paul is not talking about Bethesda Church, its building, it sits on Frank Street. He's not talking about the cathedrals that dot the world. He's not talking about the other churches and the other locations. He doesn't say anything about those buildings lasting forever. He says that we are the holy temple in the Lord. And we are the ones that are being built in a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. No matter where we're at, no matter if in the sanctuary or in our homes, we are still the dwelling place of God. God is still at work in us by His Spirit. You've probably heard it it said that we don't go to church. We are the church. We are a church with brothers and sisters around the world, some brothers and sisters who are persecuted beyond belief and others who are knowing great peace. So let us remember this today, that God is creating in us his holy temple, a place that he will dwell by his spirit. So wherever we gather, God is there in our midst. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am, in a special, unique way. Not that he's not with us when we're by ourselves. Like we told the kids, we can call on him and he hears us. But when the people of God gather together, Christ is alive in that midst. We are Jesus. We are the body of Christ to each other, ministering to one another, caring for one another. God is at work in us. We are the place that is being dwelt for him. God has called us into the game, Jew and Gentile. Baptist and Mennonite brethren. God has called us together to be one in Christ. Old and young, black and white, new baby Christian, longtime saint. We are called together as one body, a dwelling place for God. So we have a twofold purpose. One, like the Jews, to be a blessing to the nations like God promised Abram. That covenant promise continues to be at work. That we, though, are a blessing to the nations. And second of all, that we are a holy temple for his dwelling. And how do we live out those things? Just quickly as we wrap things up. How do we live out being a blessing to the nations and being a holy temple for his dwelling? First of all, we tell our story. 
We tell of what Jesus has done in us, that he, the Prince of Peace, is alive in us. We tell our story to people around us. Second, we pray for and we practice peace. In fact, that's the primary focus where it talks about Jesus in verse 14 and 15 and 17, that Jesus is our peace and he is living in us and through us to be peacemakers. We need to pray for peace on behalf of our neighbors, our classmates, our co-workers. We need to pray for peace on behalf of our nation. We need to pray for peace on behalf of the church. We must work for peace. As we think about the persecuted church around the world, we pray for peace for them. We pray for peace for each other. For Christ came to make his peace in us. Will you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, we are thankful that you came. We are eternally grateful that you went to the cross. And because of your sacrificial death, you paid the price for our sin. And as we surrender ourselves to you. As we follow you, you give us the peace that surpasses all understanding. We not only have your peace in us, but we have peace with God. We are reconciled to him. And Your word tells us that we have been given the responsibility to being reconcilers in our world. Not to be name callers, not to be called finger pointers, but we are called to be reconcilers. Jesus, you have told us that blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Help us, Lord, as a church to be a gathering of peacemakers, a gathering of reconcilers. Help us to be open to your work of building us into the temple in which God dwells. Make us your church, your body, your children. And Jesus, we pray these things in your name, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, as in boy.org or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron.
Have a blessed day.